Hello, and welcome to the Autism News Network podcast. This is a new podcast in the family of the Autism News Network. It is called the Godfather of Autism News Podcast, and it's going to be hosted by myself and the Godfather himself, Scott Beal. Hello, Godfather. Hello, Dr. Gwinnett. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, we are also joined by a few other Autism News Network participants. Let's uh, welcome Jennifer Engel. Hello, Jennifer. Hello. Hi. Thanks for being here. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris is here. Hi, Chris. Hey. Good to see you. And our newest member of the Autism News Network, Kyle. Hello, everyone. Hey, Kyle. And also, Aaron Hopper is here, who is one of our Autism News Network staff. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Dr. Burnett. Hey, everybody. So we've got an awesome group here today. And uh, we are going to bring you something very new and special. We're going to talk about some recent news articles in the area of autism and then tell you what we think about them and bring you the perspective of adults with autism to the autism. So this podcast was the idea of the godfather, Scott Beal, and um, we want to give him a big shout out for that. Um, Before we get into our content, I want to let you know you can follow us at theautismnewsnetwork.com. We're on uh, social media, that is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow me, at Dr. Gwinnett, on Instagram and Twitter. And um, we hope that you will join us on all our platforms. This podcast will be available not only on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud, but also in video format on YouTube. So without further ado, let's dive into this. First, everybody wants to know, Scott Beal, any idea why they call you the godfather? Honestly, I don't know where it came from. It's just been a long time name. Yeah. Uh, I have many godchildren as well. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I have no clue where the name came from. It just has stuck. Yeah. Yeah, it has. It, I, it's probably due to just the way that you're such a natural leader. You have quiet strength. You take care of a lot of Autism News Network participants by looking out for them, watching their back. Um, you know, just being somebody we can always count on. And each time that you come through and save the day, I always say, that's why they call him the Godfather. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so you had an article that we were going to get into, and it's kind of a medical article. Do you want to give us just a, the gist of what it says? Basically what it says is they're finding more and more relation between autism and uh, gestational diabetes uh, in mothers, they're finding that there is a link there. They're not sure of exactly what it is yet, but there is something there. Uh, it's very interesting to me because it sounds a lot more plausible than, oh, it's caused by vaccines or, oh, it's caused by the diapers that I put on my child. I have heard so many of these nonsense beliefs. This one actually sounds plausible to me because I have had it since I was born, honestly. You're born with it. It's not something that putting on your child is going to, oh God, it's going to cause autism. Right. Not necessarily the case. Absolutely. And we're not honestly sure yet that that could be the case. That's right. And this article, which was published in JAMA Psychiatry, so that's the Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry Journal, very prestigious journal. 
It was a review of 61 studies in mothers with high blood pressure, including the condition called preeclampsia, which involves high blood pressure. And they found a 50% higher risk in their children for autism. So I think you have a disorder caused by poor parenting. In fact, I always say that three times to our parents. Autism is never from poor parenting. Autism is never from poor parenting. And again, autism is never from poor parenting. And I think your, your article here proves that this is a biological condition, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a biological. It's not, you know, poor parenting. It's not uh, something that you've put on your child. It's not something you've put in your child. It's something in genetics. Yeah. And this honestly made the most sense to me because most DNA is affected sugars and whatnot yes if I'm not mistaken yeah so there's also a link with um, moms who have type 2 diabetes in pregnancy um, so that is another condition where there's a risk um, I'm interested especially to hear from others in our discussion today Jennifer and Chris and Kyle have you ever had people tell you that autism is caused by X Y and Z and felt like that wasn't necessarily accurate I felt like that. Yeah. I've heard that, like, have, it hasn't been told to me, but I've seen it on the internet. Like, I've seen, like, vaccines cause autism and all sorts of stupid crap, and I'm just like, no. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, for, for me, it's been similar to what Jennifer's described hasn't really been told directly to me but i've seen and heard like just mostly rumors and things things that aren't necessarily things that aren't necessarily true that you hear along like the grapevine yeah exactly i think it's created a an environment where parents are already feeling stressed and what should i do and but they don't need guilt feelings like, hey, you did this because you ate this during pregnancy or you took these types of vitamins, you know? Um, so absolutely. Um, yeah, and the diabetes factor seems like a real risk. Like in this study that the Godfather mentioned, um, yeah. type diabetes um, you know, can, risk, can raise the risk of uh, autism by 45% um, in moms who, who have uh, – offspring they end up having autism so it's a real thing yeah quite a bit quite a large amount there yeah and we really when we look at all what we call prenatal which means before birth and also perinatal which means around the time of birth there are all kinds of conditions that can be associated with autism and again what we're pointing out here is in diabetes and high blood pressure that it not necessarily causes it but it raises the risk so it might be associated but almost every pregnancy and birth complication can be associated with autism and that includes things like infections things like um, a crash c-section if there's um, an umbilical cord accident sometimes it'll be you know giving the baby less oxygen mm. um, all kinds of you know if the, if the baby has high bilirubin like if the baby's skin is more yellow at birth, that can be associated. Um, so we're still in the very early stages of unpacking 
those medical mysteries and how they connect to autism. What do you guys think in terms of going forward? Do you feel like this type of research is helpful? I think very helpful because the, I mm-hmm. find the earlier you get treatment, the better off you have a chance of, I don't want to say normal because I don't like that term. You have a chance at a quality of life rather than, um, well, you should just be institutionalized, which I heard that a lot as a kid. They, to- they said that about you. Uh, yeah, I actually have heard it from uh, probably 10 or 15 different school officials uh, back when I was in elementary school. Uh, he probably should be institutionalized. What? No. And even my parents said, um, not happening. <laughs> We're doing something else. Right. And so I think it'll definitely help with bringing plan B out instead of, okay, let's institutionalize. No, you deserve the right to be a free individual and live a life rather than be stuck in a center. Mm -hmm. Sure with that 100%. Yeah. Um, Quick question for you, Dr. Gwinnett. I know we lost at the Shark Tank. Um, that one that actually won the Shark Tank, they were doing something with the gestational diabetes. Do you think that would eventually help to possibly uh, slow down the amount of autism we see? Well, yeah, you, point, you make a great point. We wanted to tip our hat to the winners of this year's um, MUSC Shark Tank Innovation Week contest for clinic, clinicians. And that goes to Dr. Connie Gill, and that's G-U-I-L-L-E. Dr. Gill and her team um, came up with a system of screening expecting mothers for substance abuse. And they came up with a very innovative system of using text um, screenings and then expedited evaluations and treatment for moms who were struggling to stay sober during pregnancy. But yes, absolutely, that would decrease the risk overall to any pregnancy, but it would make sense that um, it would also potentially decrease the risk of autism just because the, that pregnancy would be less complicated and be less likely to have low birth weight and other you know, preterm labor, some of the other factors that can overlap between risk for autism and, and risk associated with substances, moms who are using substances. So no, absolutely. If somebody would like to share, like, a personal moment that, like, you had in, like, from your past where somebody said to you, like, you or your parent, like, it's your fault or you should do this, that really had an impact on you personally. Like, Scott, you were saying that several people told you that, told your parents at least, that they should institutionalize you. Like, how did that affect you knowing that and how did that affect your parents and I mean, could we think outside the box? Like, what if we so respected a person of authority or really didn't know much about autism and we just went with their advice? Like, how do you think that would affect um, just individuals in general? I mean, is that something that you've personally had an experience with? Like, somebody has said, you did this and this is why you're like this, or is this? 
something that's just kind of was said to your parents who kind of communicated it to you? It was said to my parents and I happened to be present in the room at the time. Uh, it was one of many IEP meetings, but, uh, this particular professional, uh, was removed from my life. Thank God the following year. Cause I did not have them again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was given somebody else who said, well, no, you need to be in X, Y, and Z type therapies, you know, OT, speech, things of that nature, where I was able to develop some communication skills as well as general skills for life. That's awesome. So you got the help needed to flourish. Yes. Yeah. No, that's huge. Definitely huge. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about is trying to get the help needed as early as possible. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. So thanks for sharing that article, Godfather. And this is hopefully going to lead to more discussions and more discoveries of articles um, as they come out. We're talking about them right here on the Godfather of Autism News podcast. Uh, we're going to transition now over to Jennifer, who has mm -hmm. a really story uh, that we learned about. Yeah, I picked it up. I was, when I was like younger, like elementary, some of middle school, I was always called that weird kid. I didn't have many friends, always kind of alone. Sucked. Yeah, that's really hard. Uh, and a lot of people have experienced that. Um, and it's, it's not easy, is it? No, it really is not. Bullying sucks. <laughs> Has everybody in this podcast been victims of bullying in the past? Um, to an extreme extent, yes. Yeah. I've either been bullied or I've been called odd and never been able to make many friends in school and other stuff. I usually stuck with people who were similar to myself. Mm -hmm. I remember middle school only having like one or two friends. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't have that many. I have an okay amount now. But. Yeah. And Chris, how about you? Yeah, I had a little experience that way with being bullied. Um. Had a bit of a funny uh, turnaround with one bully in particular through my years between elementary school and middle school, oddly enough. <laughs> it was the worst. It was, it was kind of funny in the end because it ended up where he'd, he'd bother me in between, in between going to the bathroom in class in like elementary school. I guess he'd come down from up over the hill and just come and bother me for what reason? I have no idea. At least from what, from memory, it seemed that way. But one day at a bowling alley, like years later, I come across him. I'm going to head to the bathroom from playing some bowling and his girlfriend yells at him. 
before just as he starts to turn around to follow me. <laughs> That's I, I, I couldn't help but kind of laugh once I got into into the bathroom a little quietly, like, oh, well, there goes the end of that experience. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like, oddly enough, it's like, can't say that'll ever happen again for me. <laughs> yeah. I remember if having these... does start up like that. <laughs> I remember having these quote-unquote friends. They would just be friends with me for a while, and then they just ditch me, like, out of nowhere. Oh, I, I don't know if anybody else has had that. I've, I've had that happen in middle, middle school before. Yeah, I've had that happen a few times. So what are your thoughts and feelings about that? Like why, why would, it, do you have any idea why somebody would do that? I don't know. Something uh, said about me? I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it can be something like a rumor started from somebody who doesn't like someone or... It could be they get involved in the wrong crowd and just I don't know. strange things happen sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's the way, it's is, the way like, school life can be. Like in those moments when people are being ugly to you, it obviously hurts. It's like, are you able to come through those or have you learned how to come through those and gotten to a point where it's not a you problem, it's a them problem. Like when they're doing the behavior, it, it's really, you're affected, but they're actually doing the behavior. Have you been I've, able to do that? I've learned a lot through the years. It used to always get to me. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't get to me as much as it used to. Mm -hmm. The things that bothered me years back, I mean, occasionally it can still kind of, get me going just not as not as often yeah how has the bullying affected everyone's self-esteem severely uh, like have zero confidence in anything really took years to rebuild self-confidence really i usually blame me for everything yeah I am actually the same, Jennifer. Yeah. So I'm what might like, be helpful? What would be helpful for you? I don't know. Not sure? <sighs> I mean, it's slowly building back up. Huh? It's slowly building back up. Yeah. You have what? to be around oh. a lot of really good family. and Yeah. It's, for me, it's mostly the support. That's been helping me build myself back up. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, for me in the last five years, I've had a uh, support network with the adoptive family that I'm pretty much living with. With them for five years, I hadn't had any self-worth prior to them, but the things I've done, like helping out with chores around the house and stuff, it's actually started building my confidence because they've actually appreciated it. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is exactly the type of thing that I'm so glad and proud of you guys for sharing because it is hard and you're not alone. Um, and I think it's beneficial for our audience to hear about that vulnerability and, and how it has an impact on self-esteem. And here we are in adulthood now and it's still, you know, something that hurts, but um, 
part of the Autism News Network's success, I believe, is that we are supporting one another um, and interacting and learning together how we can share our story. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I was going to pivot now to another really cool article from Newark, New Jersey. Um, and Jennifer, did you mind sharing that with our audience? Oh, there. But let me pull it back up. Do you want me to just read it or just? Or you can just summarize it. Okay, well, I don't need to pull it back up then. Um, so, police found this little boy just walking around. Apparently, he just walked off from his home. And the police decided, hey, just drop him back at his house. And the boy had autism. I don't know how to explain. No, yeah, it's really cool because I guess there was a rainstorm and this kid left his house, right? And his parents yeah. out understandably. Mm-hmm. And then the police were able to find him and they took him back home and his parents, you know, basically were beside themselves with relief. Mm-hmm. Grateful. Any parent would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We call that wandering or even elopement. It's a big issue in autism where children will wander off out of the home, even though the parents are trying to keep an eye on them. You just can't monitor someone 24 7. There's no amount of locks that can stop it. <laughs> yeah. It can be dangerous with things like traffic and also people falling into lakes and you know drowning. So we rely on the police to help locate missing persons, and this was a very happy outcome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Jennifer. So, oh, go ahead, Chris. You're going to say something. I said it was it was good that they were able to to get him back home. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then we're going to go to another article now. Um, Kyle, you have some, I think, some really cool uh, stuff to t- share with the audience. Yeah, I looked up with your help, Doctor Gwinnett. I looked up a uh, article on a. Uh, for uh, friends, I guess you could call them, that live in, if my phone worked with me here. <laughs> there we are. All right. For friends who uh, live near a place called Renfrewshire, they teamed up for an online festival to get people all over their county to dance in their living rooms to raise cash for autism. Cool. Oh, nice. Okay, so like they a, started a They started a Facebook Live event doing this, which thousands of people all over the area saw and helped to raise money for a, I guess it's a nonprofit. I'm not sure. It's called Always Included. Okay, yes. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So you got four DJs in the UK. They say, you know what, we can't have a concert, so we're going to have people rave at home and raise money for autism. What was the amount, Kyle? Uh, it was 2,000 British pounds, which equivalent comes out to about 2,509 U.S. dollars. Sweet! Towards the center that they're helping to build. That's so cool. Um, a center for autism in their local community. Yeah, that is great. And people just raving in their homes, chair raving. Yeah. That is awesome. 
It really is. So even in spite of the pandemic and in spite of the challenges autism faced, these four friends still found a way to, to overcome and to show their support. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, cool. Well, Kyle, thanks for sharing that. Um, and uh, Aaron, you have a, a story that's more in the medical realm that we wanted to share. Sure. Um, it's called New System Shown to Improve Early Diagnosis of Autism. And so... Um, in essence, the Indiana University School of Medicine um, was trying to get early diagnoses uh, of patients because we know that early diagnoses has better outcomes. Um, and so they were able to take uh, their process, their typical process took nine to 12 months for somebody to get in yeah. to, for a diagnosis, and they were able to decrease it to just 62 days. That's so that's that's a huge decrease. And wow. so what that allows people to do is to get into therapy sooner. And um, Scott, you were talking earlier about how, um, you know, you know, the first person you went to said institutionalized, but then the next person you went to said, no, let's do some therapies. And from what I understand, like therapies were helpful, correct? Very. So like there's a big difference when you go from, you know, nine to 12 months on a waiting list um, down to, you know, two months or less. So they you can do yep. lots of therapy in those. Tons. Yeah. So I was wondering if anybody else had some good therapy um, experiences like that you thought were helpful. One of the things I found helped is uh, having groups like this. Yeah. And yeah. all the social interaction with other people who have autism. Yeah, these, these always help. That's amazing. It's actually a very good emotional uplift. Huh? Can anybody remember back to like their preschool years? Any of any therapies that you felt were helpful? Are not so helpful? Um, well, the OT teacher trying to teach me to catch a ball, uh, that was kind of useless, but um, <laughs> for the most part, uh, a lot of the other therapies, like I had a lot of trouble actually handling money, like picking it up off a tabletop. Mm -hmm. uh, we worked with that. Uh, penmanship it's still atrocious but if we had left it the way it was you'd still be reading hieroglyphics out of me because my handwriting sucks <laughs> if i don't take my time my handwriting is like a doctor's chicken scratch just pretend to be a doctor <laughs> those therapies with the fine motor skills it sounds like were beneficial yeah. very yeah um, well, I, this didn't, I didn't have any kind of diagnosis until late in life. Mm -hmm. How late in life was that, Chris? Uh, it wasn't until my uh, stepmom got involved in my, in my life that she wow. had seen that she had noticed something different. You don't mind me asking about what age? I think early teens. Mm. Wow. I think. Somewhere, somewhere near my teens. 
mine was uh, all over the board. I was first diagnosed with a whole bunch of different diagnoses, young ADHD and all sorts of things. And over the years, they just kept adding more and more diagnoses. And finally, I ended up with my school, went to a professional who did a really broad, like 300 uh, random question test and ended up diagnosed with, uh, at the time, I don't know what it's called nowadays, but at the time I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was like 15, 16 years old. It's still, it's still the same thing as far, as far as I know. Yeah. And for the audience, Asperger's is conceptually um, somebody who has um, high abilities and still is on the spectrum. And uh, technically the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder has kind of circum, uh, like uh, trumped that Asperger's diagnosis now because we want everyone to have equal treatment and equal um, access to services. So yeah, Asperger's um, is a little bit of an older term, but it still conveys meaning to many people. Um, and to a lot of people, that term comes with a, a negative meaning due right. to the uh, violence aspect on that side. Yeah. Yes. Gotten away from that term. Yeah, and I think breaking some of those stereotypes is what we're all about here at the Autism News Network. Um, so I wanted to be conscious of our time and remind you um, that this has been the godfather of Autism News podcast. We brought you um, several articles today from the world of medicine, also um, from the UK, and also um, from as far away as New York, New Jersey. Um, and we've been joined today by Jennifer, Kyle, mm-hmm. Godfather, and Chris, and also Aaron. Well, this has been the Godfather of Autism News podcast. Um, you can follow me at Dr. Gwinnett on Instagram and Twitter. And please check us out at theautismnewsnetwork.com. Um, okay. We have all kinds of cool content that we're putting out. We have a podcast coming up with Dr. Andrea Boyer, who is an adolescent psychiatrist. And next week, we are recording with Carrie Magro, who is an internationally known adult with autism. All content on the Autism News Network is written, and produced, and directed by adults with autism. And, you know, if you had a concept of what people with autism can do, we're going to show you a whole new world of what's possible. Um, the four that have joined me today, they're making a podcast today. And how about that? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys for joining me. Thank you, yeah. Kyle, Godfather, Chris, and Aaron. This has been a lot of fun, and we hope to do this again, hopefully in a couple weeks. And All righty. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Great. No problem. Cool. Until yep. then. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. <laughs>